Hello, my name is Gina Madigan. I work as a clinical psychologist and I'll be speaking today about the role of psychology and the role of medication in managing a low or depressed mood. At birth, the brain has a full complement of serotonin. Serotonin is a chemical in the brain that makes us feel happy and relaxed. Sometimes there may be less serotonin at birth if there is a genetic predisposition for less or if a baby is exposed to toxins in utero. As we grow from birth to adulthood, we are all exposed to a variety of stressors in life. Some are acute one-off stressors like accidents, while others are ongoing chronic stressors. As time passes and the human brain is exposed to stress, the stressors act a little bit like a Pac-Man in the brain. Pac-Man is the little gamer guy that sucks up dots on the screen. This is exactly what the impact of stress does in the brain. Whether the person has experienced a large one-off stressor or multiple stressors over time, the Pac-Man in the brain sucks up the serotonin. When people have reduced amounts of serotonin, they start to experience some symptoms. Symptoms such as sadness, sleep difficulties, appetite changes, irritability, feelings of guilt and worthlessness, low motivation, fatigue, difficulties with concentrating and decision making, thoughts of dying. So we call this list of symptoms depression. It's not always helpful to have a diagnosis, but then again it can be very helpful in referral circumstances so that when the clinician sees a client, they will know the general list of symptoms the client is experiencing. The brain is a complex organ that is in charge of a lot of different functions, and this is why when there is a low level of serotonin, it has an effect on the brain, the way the brain does its job. For instance, the prefrontal cortex is in charge of organising and problem solving. So when the brain has reduced serotonin, these organising and problem solving skills may not be as effective as usual. When you go and see a doctor to discuss your mood or symptoms of depression, the doctor may look at three things or areas in your life. Firstly, they will assess the severity of your symptoms. Are the symptoms mild, moderate or severe? Secondly, the doctor may look at the nature of the stressors in your life and assess whether they are short-term acute stressors or whether they are ongoing chronic stressors that may, ta may take a while to settle. Thirdly, a doctor may also assess your protective factors. These are things in a person's life that protect them naturally from the Pac-Man sucking up the serotonin. Protective factors include things like having pets, children as reasons for living, interests, a supportive family life, good friends, a job that you like and whether a person engages in exercise or not. If a client's symptom list is mild and the stressor is temporary, a doctor may suggest that you give it some time to see if a mild mood disturbance passes and or they may suggest some brief counselling. However, if the list of symptoms is moderate to severe, then we know from scientific research that the quickest, most effective way to alleviate symptoms is to combine both an antidepressant medication and psychological intervention at the same time. Let me explain my understanding of how an antidepressant medication works. Let's take Prozac as an example. This is called a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor.
When someone takes their prescribed Prozac medication day to day, what the medication does is it provides a barrier around the existing serotonin in the brain. Now this is important because the barrier acts as a protective mechanism from the impact of stress or the Pac-Man. So if someone takes the medication one day, but they feel miserable, the medication will hold the existing serotonin there until the next day, but they still may feel miserable. So the serotonin is the chemical, the reuptake is the Pac-Man, and to inhibit means to stop. So a serotonin reuptake inhibitor stops the Pac-Man and protects the brain from the depression symptoms becoming worse. The medication is not a make-me-happy pill. It doesn't put serotonin into the brain, hence the name antidepressant. So how do we get more serotonin? That's where psychology comes in. In psychology, it's our job to help the client find ways to make more serotonin, while the medication's job is to hold it there. Behavioural activation is a psychological intervention that is evidence-based as a first line of treatment for depression. To summarise, the underlying theory is that there are two ways you can help boost or lift your mood, thereby releasing your serotonin. One way is by engaging in pleasurable or fun activities. Activities like roller skating, playing music, laughing with your friends. Activities that have no outcome attached to them. And when people engage in fun activities, the brain releases big dollops of serotonin. These are the activities where afterwards you think, oh, I'd really love to do that again. And then the second type of activity is achievement-based activities. Activities like finishing a home project, fixing the car, cleaning out the pot cupboard, and work is often considered an achievement-based activity. Now, for ease of remembering this concept of how fun and achievement-based activities can help lift mood and or release your serotonin, I like to think of fun activities as ice cream activities and achievement-based activities as broccoli activities. The reason being is that when you engage in a pleasurable activity, it is just for fun, with no outcome attached, much like the pure pleasure of eating ice cream. And when you engage in achievement activities, I call these broccoli because it can sometimes be hard to push yourself to eat broccoli. You don't always feel like it, but afterwards it's like, whoa, I feel a sense of achievement because I've eaten my greens. Are you with me so far? Now imagine if we sit a child down at the dinner table and only gave them broccoli every night for dinner. Only broccoli and nothing else. What would happen? That's right, they become bored. How would they feel about coming to the dinner table? No, they wouldn't want to come to the dinner table. So this is important because sometimes life can be like that. If we have too many broccoli activities or too many achievement-based activities like work, home chores, looking after kids, exercise, then sometimes we don't feel like turning up to our lives. Sometimes we get so focused on achievement at the expense of fun. If we put the child at the dinner table again, but this time gave them some ice cream every second or third night to have after the broccoli, what would happen? What would change? How would the child feel about coming to the dinner table? Yes, 
They'd feel more excited, more energized, and how would they approach eating the broccoli before the ice cream? Yes, they wouldn't really notice it as much. So again, life is like that. When we schedule in ice cream activities between broccoli activities, life feels easier to turn up to. It feels more exciting and we become more energized. So let's talk about this a little bit more. If you recall, I listed some symptoms of low or depleted serotonin earlier. Now, when humans are struggling with this, the list of symptoms appears to make it very difficult for a person to engage in any type of activity, let alone a broccoli or ice cream activity. This is completely understandable as fatigue, low motivation, feelings of guilt and sadness all make it extremely difficult to someone to get up out of bed, get their boots on and skip out of the house to do activities. Depression can be extremely debilitating for some people in its most severe form. So what do we do when the theory says you need to engage in activities, but you actually have very little motivation and you're feeling very fatigued? Well, this is what I suggest to people. Just engage in ice cream activities first, especially ice cream activities that do not require a lot of energy output, but that may give you a good release of serotonin. It's a little bit like when a child has tonsillitis. Tonsillitis is when the tonsils are swollen at the back of the throat. What would you give a child with tonsillitis? Do you give them a big bowl of broccoli to eat while they're sick? Or do you give them a bowl of ice cream? You're right, you give them ice cream because the broccoli is too hard to swallow right now. This is the same with depression. Sometimes broccoli activities are too difficult to do given the symptoms of depression. So we start with ice cream activities. How do we decide which ice cream activities to do? Well, I suggest clients do activities that give them as much bang for their buck as possible. This means spending the least amount of energy output, but getting a large amount of serotonin release. For instance, watching movies or listening to music is low energy output, but heading out for a two-hour mountain bike ride is high energy output with you're not really sure how much serotonin release. Not all broccoli and ice cream activities are the same for everyone. Everyone has individual preferences, which can also change over time. It is the psychologist's and the client's job to become detectives to find out what ice cream and broccoli activities will release the biggest dollops of serotonin in the brain. And then if the client is on a medication, the medication will hold it there day after day. Thus, over time, the mood lifts. How do we find out which activities release the serotonin? Well, we do this by the client spending a week or so bringing their attention to the activities of their daily living. They monitor their activities and then rate each one on a scale of 1 to 10 of how much sense of achievement they got from that activity or how much fun they had, plus noticing what the impact was like on their mood. This is important data for the client to use to start scheduling future activities that will give them an opportunity to release serotonin. 
I usually suggest to people keep rescheduling activities that come in at about 6 to 10 on the rating scale, 10 being most fun or sense of achievement and a good impact on mood. If you find your activities are generating 0 to 4s, 0 being no fun, no sense of achievement and no impact on food, mood, then it's time to change it up a bit. If your ratings are mostly 4 to 6 in the mid-range, then you could keep on with them a bit longer to see if there may be some change, or sometimes changing the conditions or context can help. For instance, going walking with a best friend rather than someone you don't know very well may bump up a 5 out of 10 broccoli activity to a 7 out of 10. Once the client has a good idea of how to implement ice cream and broccoli activities into their lives and their mood is starting to lift, the next job is to then start to look at how to reduce the stressors. Hey, but that's another podcast. Ultimately, it's wise to have a beautiful balance of broccoli and ice cream activities. Then these activities start to become your antidepressant activities or behaviours and then they can also start to act as protective factors in your life for when the inevitable stressors come along. So that completes the education on the role of psychology and the role of medication in the management of mood. This podcast does not replace working with a health clinician and it doesn't replace contacting emergency services if you are experiencing suicidal thoughts. I also acknowledge the developers of behavioural activation, Lewinson and colleagues. The ideas about how the medication works are my own and may not be scientifically correct. However, I hope the conceptualisation of both the psychological intervention and the medication may generally help people experiencing either a low or depressed mood. Thank you for listening and enjoy your ice cream. Thank you.